Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here, coming to you live with another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. I'm sitting here in Portland, Maine, the offices of Lives in the Balance, and my co-host, Susie, is sitting in upstate New York, I think. Yes, I'm sure. Um, Susie, how are you today? Good morning. I'm good, thanks. And you? I am well. And this is... um, our last program until September. Because next Monday is Memorial Day here in these United States, um, and because we do this program September through May, today, May 18th, 2015, is our last program for a little while, and we have lots of email that we are going to try to get to, but I also want to give people our call-in number. Uh, that's 347-994-2981, and then press the number 1, and we'll bring you on the air. Callers always get top priority on the program, and we're going to see how much we can fit in in our last 45 minutes here. Susie, anything that you wanted to start with today? Um, actually, yes. A few weeks ago, I mentioned a little boy in school who was always getting yelled at and singled out by his teacher. And I was sitting on the fence as to whether or not to talk to the teacher regarding collaborative and proactive solutions, as I'm rather new at the school, and she's been teaching for years. The other day, the little boy said to me, she doesn't like me. Well, that just broke my heart and put me into action. I asked to meet with the teacher after school and had a conversation, and it explain the model, how it would be beneficial for both her and the student. I explained CPS, and she was a bit reluctant after having taught a certain way for 27 years. She said she would try because what she was doing wasn't working. She said that she would talk to the student, but first she and I were going to have a further conversation about Plan B. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed, and I'll update you what happens in our first program next fall. Fabulous. Yeah. That'll give us something to look forward to. Well. It's nice that she was receptive to it. Yes, it was. Well, you can see she really means well, and she's trying too, and it's just so incredibly frustrating for both of them. It is, and, you know, there's folks who um, take the fact that what they're doing now isn't working, and that opens their minds to other possibilities, and there's folks that take the fact that what they're doing now isn't working, and they just keep doing it harder, and it keeps 
working less and less, but um, I'm glad that she was receptive. That makes life a little bit easier. Yep. Good. Well, we will look forward to that update and um, find out what happens. Great. Shall we start with some uh, email? Yes, let's. Here we go. My nine-year-old son has Tourette's disorder and has been exhibiting various behavioral challenges associated with Tourette's, including inappropriate language and behaviors, difficulty reading social cues, inflexibility in letting go of something, fits and rages, extreme mood swings from anger to sadness and crying in a short time period. Although he is on medication, sees a therapist, and attends a social skills group, his tics and behavioral symptoms wax and wane, and they are currently quite challenging. Although he is also incredibly bright, funny, sweet, and generally does very well in school and has no problems making friends. I am at a loss as to what to do next to help him. Please advise. Thank you. Well, let's see if we can help out here. First of all, I would say that kids who have Tourette's disorder are among, often among the most challenging to treat because of all of the other things that, are, that often go along with Tourette's. ADHD frequently goes along with Tourette's. Um, obsessiveness um, can often go along with Tourette's. And so the big question here is of the different things that um, this mom is telling us about, um, what do we think the collaborative and proactive solutions model will help with and what uh, will medication help with? And um, yes, he's on medication already. Um, Let's see. Let's, Let's take a dig in here. Um, Difficulties reading social cues. I don't think there's going to be a medication that helps with that. Inflexibility in letting go of something, um, maybe. Fits and rages. um, There, I'm going to be a big fan of collaborative and proactive solutions, although medication can be effective at lengthening the fuse and providing an emotional muffler, as I sometimes call it. Extreme mood swings is a tricky one because it all depends on whether those mood swings are happening on their own or whether they are happening in response to frustration. If there is no precipitant, I'd be thinking medicine. If there is a precipitant, I'd be thinking collaborative and proactive solutions. All right. So um, the best we can do uh, because we don't know this guy, although um, it sounds you know life with a child diagnosed with Tourette's disorder is challenging at virtually every step of the way. I am delighted though to hear that he's bright, funny, sweet, and does very well in school and has no problems making friends. It's good that those things are not on our list of unsolved problems. And of course, Susie, I'm sure you know where I'm heading here. As it relates to the CPS model, um, the big question is how much of this stuff is happening in response to specific unsolved problems? 
and how much of it is happening, quote-unquote, on its own. And this is a question I ask parents in my office and educators in schools and staff in facilities routinely. How much of this is happening on its own, and how much of it is happening in response to specific unsolved problems? And the amazing thing is, the majority of things that are going on, and I'm not saying that that's true in the case of this lad, but the majority of what's going on is in response to specific unsolved problems. And so we're going to need a list. And by the way, this is also a good way to figure it out because sometimes the answer is, you know, we're not sure. Um, But I've had kids in my office who have just Uh, been described as being absolutely, utterly out of control. And then when we start trying to figure out how often out of control is unprecipitated out of control, in other words, how often does the kid going out of control occur on its own and not in response to specific problems, it's always amazing how often it's in response to specific problems. And so this is my very long-winded way of coming around to maybe the best advice I can give this mom as it relates to this model and without having laid eyes on her son. Make a list of all of, and it could be a very long one. I get it. could be a very long list of things that are causing um, your son to become agitated. doesn't have to be a full-blown outburst every time, just anything that's causing a disagreement, anything that he's balking at, anything that's causing him difficulty. You need your list. And then you'll want to prioritize that list because you're not going to be able to work on everything at once. And then you're going to want to start solving those problems collaboratively and proactively. And then I think you're going to find out whether there's a lot of stuff that is um, a lot of unsolved problems that are causing the outbursts and that they are not occurring independently of these unsolved problems. But you're also going to get a better sense for how many of the outbursts do not occur in response to specific unsolved problems and may, not sure about this part, may um, benefit from a... um, fine-tuning of the medicinal approach. There's my two cents. Um, Without knowing you and your son, that might be the best we can do. But Susie, anything to weigh in on here? Um, Well, as we've mentioned before, by doing the collaborative and proactive solutions process, um, the parent is building a relationship um, by solving problems proactively and collaboratively. And um, this positive relationship will get you through the most difficult parts. Um, Also for her to possibly discard conventional wisdom and rethink her child um, to see it as a developmental delay, a learning disability. And um, unsolved problems have been causing challenging behavior, as you said, for a very long time. Let's turn our attention to the next one. Uh, hi, I live in the UK. 
another emailer from the UK. Good to know that people are listening Great. across the big pond and have a son and family living in North America. The oldest child, age 10, is very unhappy and badly behaved, and I feel may be helped by your program. The puzzling thing to me is that he does well at school, is often top of the class, and seems to have friends, etc., and to behave like a normal 10-year-old apart from in the home. I was wondering what you think about this, as I know this will be the first thing that comes up when I suggest to my son and daughter-in-law that they take a look at your program. It's really hard to know when to help when they're so far away. Many thanks for your help. I will certainly suggest that they take a look at your website, and I am reading The Explosive Child, which I will pass on to them. Thank you again. Yours in desperation. Well, um, Susie, you want to take a crack at that one? Sure. Um, As we always say to... um, keep a log for a week and to um, keep track of what unsolved problems are reliably and predictably um, causing a problem. Um, And then to um, download a blank copy of the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, um, the assessment tool the discussion guide that helps you to identify the specific skills that are lagging as well as under the specific circumstances that the skills are being demanded um, to make an appointment with the child to to talk proactively um, at a calm time and um you know, it's great that she's reading through the website and reading The Explosive Child. Frequently, um, I think you've said the embarrassment factor keeps kids pretty, can keep kids pretty well controlled at school, and then when they come home, they have to unwind somewhere. So, um, unfortunately, the family bears the brunt of that. Those are my thoughts. Um, and, yeah, the prototypical presentation of kids like the ones we talk about on this program are that they are well-behaved at school and ill-behaved at home. And, of course, um, and that's talked about in The Explosive Child, so my bet, um, Grandma, is that if you keep reading, you will um, come across that. But um, as Susie said, um, what keeps kids under control at school? And the leading theory here is the embarrassment factor. Uh, We all look better outside the home than we do in it. And it's the embarrassment factor that keeps us all tightly wrapped outside the home. Um, A lot of uh, behaviorally challenging kids uh, hold it together as tightly as they can during the school day and then unravel the minute they walk through the door. So that's actually not a terribly unusual scenario. Regrettably, it often causes um, adults to say, well, see, he can control it when he wants to. Um, but this is really not a matter of wanting to. The, the other interesting thing is that um, a lot of kids who are on stimulant medication, the school is the primary beneficiary of the stimulant medication, but the home folks get the kid just as he's coming off the meds and potentially rebounding, and um, they're at even a greater disadvantage um, but the school's looking pretty good. 
Um, bottom line is, it, it's also possible that um, the lagging skills that are coming into play for this lad are coming into play more at home than they are at school. Lots of things about the school environment that can be, not always, but can be user-friendlier for behaviorally challenging kids. Um, and things about the home environment, uh, it's not structured, um, all kinds of different things that can make the home environment more challenging. But I would say that the uh, medication issue and the embarrassment factor are probably the leading candidates for why a lot of behaviorally challenging kids are losing it at home but not at school. Of course, then there's the other variety, the ones who are losing it in both places. And i got to say, losing it at home and not at school is actually preferable because at least the kid isn't losing it all over the place. The hardest part of that is, as I was saying before, the uh, automatic almost assumption that if he's not losing it at school and he is losing it at home, it must be something about the way the home folks are dealing with stuff and disciplining their kids. And um, boy, is that not true the vast majority of the time. That said, I'd rather live with that. Of course, it's easy for me to say. I'd rather live with that than deal with explosions in both environments. That's double-barreled, and we'd rather have it only going on in one just because it's... um. Well, it confines what we're... Now, one last thing. I was about to say it confines our reach. It confines the scope of unsolved problems that we would be working on. But here's the interesting thing. The school folks aren't off the hook, even if the kid's not getting upset at school and is getting upset at home, because the kid may be getting upset at home over things that are going on at school. Just because the kid's not losing it at school doesn't mean he's not losing it over stuff that's going on at school. And so the school folks may not be off the hook. We still got work to do. We still need our list. We still need to figure out what unsolved problems are setting in motion challenging episodes for your grandson. And um, here's the good news. Grandma, you're going to get a link to this program by email from our wonderful volunteers, Anne and Tim. And if you want to send that link along to your family in North America, they can listen to what we just said. And the other good news is that they've got an entire website waiting for them to help them understand what's going on with their son and what they can do next. Dr. Green, you bring up a really good point, um, one that helped us, one that helped our family so much, that it's a family problem, and you are working together. That, um, and I like this expression so much: problems in living. To um, figure out, it's up to the adults to figure out what problems interfere with them living. I was just thinking about problems in living this morning. Really? Um, I was. Yep. I finished a book last week. Well, it's not. Well, I finished it. Now the editors get to deal with it, which means that it's not finished at all yet. But I was remembering this morning that I want to include problems in living in that book. I think it'll be helpful to people who will read it. And mm -hmm. it's not in there yet. So thankfully, there's such a thing as an iPhone, and it lets me record my thoughts. 
And boy, do a lot of things end up in my books that end up on my iPhone first. Now, Susie, we have a caller, so let's go to our caller now. Callers get first priority on this program. And this caller is getting in just under the, um, what's the expression? Just under the what? Under the under wire. Under the wire, yeah. Because we only got about, uh, well, 25 minutes left until September. So here we go to our caller in area code 215. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am well, and Susie is too, I think. What's on your mind today? Don't use any names or identifying information, but we're glad you called in. Certainly. So I'm calling in actually as a therapist who has just discovered this model. Um, I think I read The Explosive Child years ago and um, didn't really resonate with me at the time, but um, I've gotten into your website and your new version of the book and I really understand it and I want to utilize it with my patients who are typically children um, under the age of 13, typically um, children on the spectrum. And I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to how this could be different for as a therapist using it and teaching uh, parents and or teachers to use the model? Um, Actually, I have a lot of questions, but I know we have just a few minutes left, so I'm going to see if I can kind of narrow it down. I do have a client that I'm starting to use it with now. Um, It's a a family therapy case, and the child has a lot of uh, behavior in the home and with the babysitter, and the family was kind enough to bring the babysitter in, and we were doing some of this um, hard work this past week, and I wanted to get some of your thoughts about my role as a therapist, how I can best help this family, and a little bit more about how I can use the the lagging skills assessment to inform solutions. It's, I'm very clear on how to use the unsolved problems and the role that has, obviously, in sort of shaping the discussion. Not quite as clear about once the family's filled out that lagging skills assessment, how we're actually utilizing that to um, further the discussion. Got it. Great questions. Um, Here we go. In terms of your role as a therapist, um, in my office as an outpatient therapist, when I have that hat on, um, I consider myself problem-solving facilitator, um, but I also view myself as the buck stops here on helping people understand what's getting in the way for the kid who they've brought in as the identified patient. Now, as Susie has already said, I view the family as the identified patient. So, I mean, if you're a family, if your modality is family therapy, you won't have any trouble with that. Um, right. There's no identified patient here. The family is the identified patient. Uh, we're all working right. on this together. Um, but if you ask me what's my first most crucial role, it's to help. It, it's very common for me to look at all of the assessment results and hear all of the diagnoses and hear everything that's been done with this kid, all the medications the child has already been on, and look at parents and um, say, wow, nobody's really helped you understand what's getting in the way for your kid yet. All these medications later, 
all these diagnoses later, we still really don't understand your kid. And that's the role of the lagging skills. The lagging skills give you the global picture. Who is this kid? We're going to view him not through the prism of his behavior, not through the prism of diagnoses, but rather through the prism of lagging skills. And I find that that really helps on a few different counts. First of all, um, it helps people really view the kid accurately because lagging skills really are where the action's at. But it also helps parents and others be much more compassionate toward the kid because while many people accuse a kid of exhibiting behaviors on purpose, no one ever accuses a kid of having lagging skills on purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the lagging skills are really the global picture. The unsolved problems are the much more specific picture. Um, Another way that I've been putting it a lot lately, both in speaking and to the people who I'm working with individually, is that this is a very upstream model. Mm -hmm. Behaviors are downstream. The problems that are causing those behaviors are upstream. And in this model, we are furiously paddling upstream to try to identify the problems that are causing the behaviors. So I think of behavior as the byproduct, the byproduct. Mm -hmm of those unsolved problems and lagging skills that are sitting there waiting for us to discover upstream. So the main goal of the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems is to change the lenses, lagging skills, and make it Mm -hmm. crystal clear what it is that we're going to be working on unsolved problems. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's that's sort of my initial role, is to make sure that we are wearing a shared set of lenses. And by the way, the ALSIP is intended for use more as a discussion guide than as a freestanding checklist. Um, and then my job is to help people understand what their options are, and that's plan A, plan B, and plan C, in responding to those unsolved problems. Um, help them understand why plan A should not be something they're using very often and why plan C is not the equivalent of giving in but rather helps us prioritize because we can't work on everything at once. And then my role is to teach them the three steps of plan B. Mm -hmm. Then my role is to demonstrate plan B for them. And by the way, this is all happening over the course of two or three or four different sessions. Mm-hmm. And I'm demonstrating it for them because our goal is in the very next session for the parents to actually try it. And I'm going to mm-hmm. transform my role from demonstrator and teacher to coach. Because mm-hmm. my ultimate okay. goal is for them to become independent in the use of the model as rapidly as possible. And mm-hmm. so for the remainder of treatment, my primary role is coach. And they're trying Mm -hmm. to solve problems collaboratively. Uh, And then when they're ready, they start trying to do it at home. And they come back and let me know how it went. And I've tuned things up a little bit more. And then hopefully, they're done. So you don't do the plan B with the child, with the family present. You take the model. Okay. Only as a means of demonstrating. Because if the only person who's able to do plan B with the family is me, then they need me forever. And I don't want them to need me forever. I don't think they need to need me forever. That's the main thing. If somebody needs me forever, I'm there. But 
Um, nobody's needed me forever yet, but that's because I'm doing something that I call program, programming for independence. At every step mm-hmm. along the way, um, my okay. goal is to get them good at this um, and to not need me to do it for them. Okay. Now, if you're interested, on a different website, the cpsconnection.com website, there, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you've seen this or not, there is a description of my certification trainings. Okay. This is how to get really good at the model. Um, so if you go to the workshops training page on the CPS Connection website, cpsconnection.com, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. we're starting another one for English speakers in September, and that is the best way for clinicians and educators to get good at the model. Um, there it is. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you for calling in. I hope that – did you have any other questions? We We are – if you have others, we're happy to answer them. I, I do have another one that's sort of related, again, to the lagging skills and, and how it's used in therapy. Would you ever consider um, emotional or relationship problems in a family as part of lagging skills? So, in other words, if the relationship between parent and child is strained, stressed, I mean, even to the point of, um, you know, if there's some sort of mild abuse going on, and by that I mean sort of not physical abuse but verbal abuse or putting down to the point that the child has become um, very angry and isolated. I sort of have been viewing that as part of the package. I don't know if it's an unsolved or, sorry, lagging skill because it's not a skill or a cognitive piece but an emotional piece that sort of feeds into perhaps behaviors and I wasn't sure what you thought about that. Um, I would view that more as a description of what's going on in the family. Okay. And I would operate on the assumption that that picture that you've just painted is because of lagging skills and unsolved problems. And okay. by the way, while it is true that in the first session we are viewing or at least talking about the lagging skills as if they apply only to the child, As a clinician, of course, we have our ears wide open for um, how those lagging skills may also apply to the adults. Um, It's not something we're bonking adults over the head with, but it's not uncommon for adults in talking about the lagging skills of their child to come to the conclusion that some of the lagging skills may apply to them as well, and that's not a terrible development. Um, We all lack Mm -hmm. skills some mm-hmm. of the lagging skills that we have cause conflict and um, mm-hmm. cause us to behave toward each other in ways that aren't nice um, and aren't right. productive. And so the description that you just provided, I would probably call a description of family functioning in general. I probably wouldn't call it a lagging skill. And mm-hmm. I would think of it as sort of the byproduct of the lagging skills and the unsolved problems. Um mm-hmm. And truth is, here's an interesting piece of research that's about to come out from our five-year Virginia Tech study. Not surprisingly, um, and I thought this was an interesting finding, while it would be easy to operate on the assumption that every family that has a behaviorally challenging kid in it is having, that every parent who has a behaviorally challenging kid is having difficulty maintaining a good relationship with that kid. It actually Mm -hmm. turns out not to be the case. There are some Mm -hmm. parents who still manage to have um, 
decent relationship with their kid and still form feel warmly toward the child and still yeah. have decent Absolutely. communication. Yeah. And those are the and families. I see, I see those patients too, but yeah. I see some that don't, and that's why I sort of wondered to myself, just as as another um, avenue to explore with them as far as therapeutically helping um, increase that connection and and attachment. Um, I know that doesn't fit into, you know, problem solving per se, but it just sort of occurred to me that as, and I was trying to figure out where would that fit in here, and that's why I was thinking, could that be? It's not a lagging skill, but it's a contributor. It's a, I would, I would call it a contributing factor, uh, an exacerbating factor. It's hard to know whether it's exacerbating. You know, it's a chicken and egg question: is it exacerbating yeah. things, or is it just a description of? things that have not gone well, the interesting thing is the families that are able to maintain a decent relationship with their kid do still have the best outcomes, Mm -hmm. uh, which is not surprising. So treatment Mm -hmm. helps them the most, and that's one of the findings from our Virginia Tech study that will be coming out. Um, But it's an interesting question. Here's, Here's what I would say. I mean, for me, in the final analysis, what and this may be oversimplifying things because obviously there's a lot more to parenting than this. But mm-hmm. if you asked me bare bones, brass tacks, what's number one on the list? It is the, fail, the inability to solve problems productively that keeps the conflict going and that makes positive relationships with each other difficult to maintain. Mm-hmm. And if we can help people start solving problems productively and have all of those problems that have been causing conflict gone, and if that's going to rebuild relationships, that's going to enhance communication. Uh, for me, the primary ingredient for getting that done is solving problems collaboratively and proactively. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, mm-hmm. that's my interesting take on things. There's other people who see it as just as important to repair the relationships but would go at it through a different avenue. That's the mm-hmm. avenue that this model goes at it through. One thing I can mm-hmm. definitely say, though, when I can help people view their child through the prism of lagging skills, identify the problems that have been causing conflict for a very long time, prioritize them, and then start solving them collaboratively and proactively, relationships do improve. Communication is enhanced. That's how I do it. That sounds great. Good luck with the model, and check out the certification trainings. They might be just what the doctor ordered. (laughs) Okay, that sounds great. Thanks Thanks for for taking my call. Have a great summer. You bet. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Susie, anything to add to that? Um, from the not clinical side, but from the side of a parent who's been in, who's experienced this model on the other side of the, uh, well, the other side of the room. Yep. Uh, Actually, I do. A a couple of things to add. Um, Our family's problem was pretty severe. So some people can do the model on their own, but we needed outside help to do the model. And um, what was so helpful was our therapist um, served as a mouthpiece for our child because the way our family was communicating was 
very mean and sarcastic, condescending, speaking for each other. Um, so by having a neutral party, um, helping our son articulate his feelings and needs um, was most helpful. Um, the other thing to remember is that, you know, you're um, figuring out a mutually satisfying solution that addresses both parties' concerns. But the first solution might not always be your tried and true one that you have to, if it if the problem's not resolved, you have to go back to the plan B drawing board. Um, and lastly, just in terms of, again, the uh, invitation step, the last step, um, that if you are um, doing plan B, you don't know where your plane is landing, meaning that you need both parties to participate in the process and you're not really sure how it's going to work out um, because you need that second party um, participating in Plan B. Here's one I wanted to get to before September, and it Mm -hmm. may be our last one. Um, I've got two others I want to read just from people who wrote in but didn't want an answer to a question. This one says, we have three boys. The oldest, who is eight, has been diagnosed with ADHD, and anxiety, and we and his teachers suspect autism spectrum disorder as well. He takes medication. My middle son definitely appears to have classic ADHD, and we've been asked by the school if we will be putting him on medication. We let them know that we thought five years old was too young for that. Now our youngest seems to have some type of issue. He throws tantrums over everything. He wakes up throwing a tantrum. We have been pegged as bad parents, and our boys have been pegged as bad pigs. People in our neighborhood even avoid our family. My husband and I feel very overwhelmed and extremely stressed trying to deal with so much challenging behavior. We end up just giving in. We feel lost. The parenting classes we have been to don't help, and the psychiatrist has no recommendations to give us for help in dealing with the behavior. Any advice on who we should seek help from and what we should look for in our search? We have not found any specialists in our area that use your model. Um, Well, I don't know what your area is, but um, you might want to check out the list of providers, if you haven't already, on the CPS Connection website. Um, New providers are going to be added this week because we just finished um, fourth, our fourth, fourth or fifth certification training, and there's some outstanding clinicians who've been training with me for the last seven or eight months and are now ready to let the world know that they know what they're doing with collaborative and proactive solutions. Um, now, back to your three boys. I don't know if there's going to be somebody in your area. You do have the guided tour on the Lives in the Balance website if there's not somebody in your area. If there's not somebody in your area, your search continues for somebody who is willing to check this model out and see if they can guide you through it. But at a very basic level, 
And I'm glad that if your boys need medication, you have a psychiatrist who can prescribe it for you. There are five-year-olds who are on ADHD medication. But I think you're going to need an assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems for each boy. We've got to get this organized. Um, I totally get it that there's so much going on that you end up just giving in, and I totally get it that you feel lost, but we've got to get you found. Um, let's get an LSUP on each kid, Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems. You'll find it in the paperwork section of the resources section of the website. Um, maybe the psychiatrist can help you fill it out so that at least we have our list of unsolved problems and at least we can get a start on trying to solve some of those problems Sounds like you're going to have a big pile of unsolved problems for each kid, perhaps especially your youngest who's throwing a tantrum over everything and wakes up throwing a tantrum. Um, there you go. Uh, that's my first recommendation, but I sure do hope that there's somebody in your area who can help you out. Susie, you're up. Um, well... I was going to say, again, to divide the boys into their component parts. And I know that they're stressed and giving in. Um, they have to stop blaming themselves. That's not going to get the job done. That um, working on unsolved problems and seeing their kids as having lagging skills, that will be a much more constructive way to um, help the boys. It's amazing the strength you find within yourself when you have to find it. Um, and hopefully we're, I, I appreciate that it could be a very isolating feeling, having Neighbors um, ignore your family and um, having some real challenges. But hopefully in the near future, Lives in the Balance is going to have a website, a support group for parents, and um, that should help too. But in the meantime, maybe there's a friend or a clergy member um, or somebody outside their family that can give them some support. Let's do two more emails and call it a year. Mm -hmm. uh, this says, I am a parent of a 10-year-old child with high-functioning autism spectrum disorder. In addition, I am an educator and special ed resource teacher. You are accurate in your description that it's about a journey. I was introduced to your work a while back, and your work spoke to me from the start. It aligned with my values. I am a very reflective parent who is finding my way along the path with all its twists and turns. I am writing to you today to find out, and that's very good for parents to hear. I am writing to you today to find out if you have ever done any specific work in the area of autism spectrum disorders, and if so, would you point me? in this direction. Otherwise, would you consider research in this area 
or do you view behavior in and itself detached from any label? Well, the answer is I'm not a very label-oriented guy. And no, we have not done research on kids on the autism spectrum specifically yet, but I'd be open to it, even though I'm not a label guy. Finally, this one. And this is a good one to end our broadcast year with. Good afternoon, Dr. Green. I recently picked up your book, The Explosive Child, and was immediately struck how you knew and understood my son. I have been on a long, difficult journey with very little hope of help or a solution, and much judgment and condemnation, too. I wish someone had directed to me to your book much sooner. I am so glad to have stumbled onto it now. I am thrilled by the potential of Plan B. I have looked over the resources on the Lives in a Balance website, and I am eager to begin implementing a new approach at home with my son. I look forward to writing back to share our success. Thank you so much for giving me hope and a plan. That seems like a good one to end with, don't Isn't you think? Isn't that nice? Absolutely. Susie, that's going to do it until September. Thank you so much for participating in the program again this year. I think, well, the feedback I get is that parents benefit enormously from your words of kindness and empathy. Oh, thank you. I love doing the program. We will be back the first week of September. Have a great summer, everybody. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.